Kia ora ia. Nice to, um, nice to worship, nice. And as Matthew said, it's so beautiful just hearing the children's um, noise is the wrong word, their, their presence. <laughs> it's beautiful hearing their presence amongst us. It's so, so good. Um, if we haven't met before, my name is Lloyd, um, and uh, it's my pleasure to... Um, Attempt to preach my little heart out this morning. Uh, we've been in, a, and um, to those on Zoom as well, really nice to uh, have you with us. Um, we have been uh, working our way through Mark's account of the life and the ministry of Jesus, <coughs> and um, pausing, <coughs> excuse me, pausing to look at the questions that Jesus asked, and um, and also the questions that were asked of him. And so this morning. Um, you know, we're, again, we're pondering this thing of there's a lot that we can learn about what questions were asked and, and somewhat what answers are given, but mostly the questions. And the, it's been a really rich journey for us on the last couple of months. You know, we, the greatest thing we can do with our life is to, is to know more about Jesus and to learn more about him. So I, I want to just quickly pray that God would help us and he would help me, help me communicate, help us to uh, just get a bigger picture of, of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that we're two or three gather in your name, and, and that's exactly what we've done this morning, uh, that you're here in our midst. And, and we acknowledge you. We um, bow the knee of our, our, of our entire lives to you, and we ask you, would you, would you teach us more about yourself? We, we want to be formed, that we might be fully formed followers of Jesus. And so would you give us revelation this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and I'll see if we can... Crank along on here, <clears throat> um, reading from um, Mark, uh, Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 33. So uh, a, a wee chunk of scripture this morning. So the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, this is towards the end of Jesus's um, three and a half years of ministry on earth. Uh, the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you've made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. So they were coming in and out of Jerusalem, uh, staying in Bethany. Um, and then in the morning, the next morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree cursed. Uh, sorry, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if you say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will happen, it will be done for you. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And there's a little marginal verse that some, some translations have and some don't, where it's uh, verse 26. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Uh, 
And then they arrived again in Jerusalem, and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you the authority to do this? Jesus replied, I'll ask you one question. Answer me and I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, was it from heaven or from human origin? Tell me. And they discussed it amongst themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will then ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from human origin, they feared the people, for everyone held that John was really a prophet. Um, so they answered Jesus, we don't know. And then Jesus said, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. So on the, it's, a, it's a fascinating, action-packed piece of scripture. And on the, script, on the surface of it, if we read it with uh, 21st century eyes, just making sure that uh, my click is working, and it is, it's beautiful. Everything's working so well this morning. Nothing's broken down. I love it. I feel nervous. <coughs> um, on a surface read with 21st century eyes, we could just arrive at a few wrong conclusions here. Um, when we think about the fig tree, we would think, well, it, it was a shame that obviously Jesus was under stress and, it was, and he was hungry and kind of had breakfast this morning on the way to Jerusalem, had a lot of things to do, had to clear out the temple. and it was, So a, a, little, a little meal of figs on the way would have been just brilliant. Um, and, um, and even though it wasn't, it was kind of like looking for figs in the middle of winter, you know, it, it, even though it wasn't the right season for figs, he cursed the tree. And, and you kind of go, wow, Jesus is very human. He's, you know, he was hungry and he was angry. And he was annoyed at the tree, so he cursed it. Uh, and again, you know, the act of cleansing the temple. Uh, our, our, our 21st century eyes would look at that and kind of go, he was just, he was so angered when he walked into that temple and saw all the commercial business being done. It was, it was that there was money changing and there was, you know, selling, selling animals for sacrifice and it was all set up there. And we tend to make the assumption that the business people were corrupt and had inflated prices and that Pharisees were always evil. But, but the scriptures actually don't say any of that. Um, and we'll come back to that. Uh, and then the classic kind of faith verse in verses 22 through 24, you know, that Jesus is encouraging us to somehow muster up enough faith uh, and the thing that we're asking him for, um, as much faith in God as we can, as we can manage, and ask for audacious, mountain-moving th things to happen. Uh, and, and then finally, when, he, um, when he's asked by the Pharisees, uh, when he's asked by the priests, um, you know, by, by what authority are you doing these things? So it wasn't, wasn't so much about his miracles, but it was about, it was about his act of cleansing the temple. And... Uh, and uh, you know, is it just Jesus just showing his superior wisdom by asking about John's baptism and just trying to embarrass them and, and, and trap them in front of the crowd? So I, I want to I just unpack some of those things that, that we take a second look. And then I think there's some questions that he might want to ask of us in this, in this passage here. So first of all, the, the fig tree. Uh, they would have known, and, and uh, you know, we know, you know, because we've got very smart theologians who tell us these things. But the fig tree was a symbol, uh, and and still is a symbol of Israel. And and this whole episode of stopping the sacrifices in the temple is a is a prophetic act. And what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that that when he saw that fig tree and he did it openly, he looked at a fig tree and he said, "You are never going to produce fruit again." What he was saying was that this whole system was going to come to an end, that that the vocation of Israel to be the light of, to the nations was coming to an end. 
Um, and, uh, you know, their, their vocation was to be a light to the nations and to bring Gentile nations to God. But instead, what they tended to do was close the doors to outsiders. Uh, and, and he was saying, that, so, that, so this fig tree has no more purpose. Now, in, in brackets here, I'd also say this, that this has been used as, as an anti-Semitic um, justification for, for, for generation after generation. Now, he, he's, not, he's not here saying Israel is evil. He's just saying that this is not working. It's going to come to an end. And there's going to be a new a new way. He wasn't he wasn't just re- rejecting Israel. He was saying there's going to be a new Israel that anyone can be part of. That any person, no matter what what uh, race they come from, even even in far distant Pacific Islands like like we live on, uh, we can even be part of this thing. And he's saying that he's going to be the new Israel. He's going to be the new Adam. He's going to be the new temple. And it's going to be a new family. You know, it wasn't that he was just annoyed at the fig tree that it didn't have fruit in the middle of winter. Uh, again, this whole thing of, of the sacrificial system. When, when Jesus visits the temple and, and they've turned the temple into a, they've, they've turned the court of the Gentiles into a, into a place where people can exchange their, their money. And, and there was good reasons for all these things. Uh, and, and in fact, the scriptures, as, as we understand them, aren't telling us that this, that this thing of having money changes and being able to purchase sacrific- sacrificial animals, it, there's nothing in there telling us that this was a really bad thing. In, in fact, most coinage at that time had, had the image of, of the, the current Caesar on it. And, and, and so much of Jewish law was don't put anyone's face on anything. So, so to bring to bring a coin with the face of a Caesar into the temple to pay your temple tax was anathema. So, so it was a right thing. They wanted they wanted to uh, exchange the currency of the day for the currency of the of the temple. So it, it was a it was an important thing to change their money. Uh, again, if if they came on their annual visit to the temple uh, to to bring a sacrifice to cover their sin, th- then the chances are, if they were coming from the highlands and, and coming from up the north and coming all the way down with uh, with one of their best ewes or one of their best bulls, the chances are they probably wouldn't get it there in great condition. Uh, and so it was a great thing to be able to cash in a, cash in a, a, a an animal at home bring the cash, and then buy something, a, a perfect, spotless sacrifice at the temple. So, the whole, so it wasn't the system that was bad. What, he was, what Jesus was doing was, it, you know, it, it wasn't that he was kind of going, this is terrible that you've set up business in the temple courts. And, 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 and you know, again, sometimes people say, well, it's, he, he set it up in the, in the court of the Gentiles. But that wasn't the issue either. There was still plenty of room for Gentiles to come in and to meet with God. You know, and, and like I say, there's no, there's no clue given that they were dishonest and exploitive merchants. Uh, you know, the only thing that maybe would make us think about that would be that expression that you've turned the, the, this house into a robber's den. But even even that word's probably not particularly well translated. It's, it's probably better understood as a bunch of ultra-right nationalists. You, you, you've turned this you've turned this place, and you know, and, and our in our day and time, it'd be you filled the place with. Christian nationalists, it's, it's, it's embarrassment. Uh, there, was, there were people in that place that were, they weren't thieves, they just had a whole different agenda. And, and, and what Jesus, so Jesus quotes two scriptures there. He, he quotes, quotes this one about, uh, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And it's speaking about, in Isaiah 56, verses 7 and 8, it speaks of exiles being brought back and the temple becoming the place for all nations. And, and the scripture about the, the den of thieves 
uh, Jeremiah 7.10 was a warning that the temple that they trusted in um, could just as easily be turned over in a moment. That it, that it was going to become a place of lawlessness. And it, and it reminds them, and Je- Jeremiah reminds the people, he says, don't forget Shiloh. It got turned over. It once was a, it once was a center of worship. Now it's nothing. You know, and, and what he was saying was he, he has no qualms about knocking the temple down. And so the key issue here is not business. It's, it's, not, it's not dishonesty. It's just that Jesus is saying this whole system is going to come to an end. There will be no more need of daily sacrifices. You know, the veil, you know, we, we, we know the story because we're this side of the cross, but we look back and we know the, the veil that, that uh, in, the, in the holiest of the holy in the, in the temple was going to be, that veil was going to be torn from top to bottom at the crucifixion of Jesus. That there would be one time, a one-time offering of Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God is the ultimate sacrifice, the one-time sacrifice. There's no more need for other sacrifices. And, and so what Jesus' act here is, it's a, again, it's a prophetic act. The same way as, as him cursing the, the fig tree, this is a prophetic act. He's, for a moment in time, he stops the entire purpose of the, of the temple. He says, that we, we, you can't sacrifice if you don't have animals. You can't bring your, your temple tax if there's no money to be exchanged. And for a moment of time, Jesus stops the temple and says, the business of the temple has ceased. This is, the, this is what he's speaking about here. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an absolutely beautiful thing, but he's, he's ending its, its existence, signifying that he's about to become the new temple in just a few days. That glorious temple is going to be torn down, and, and he's going to become the new temple for a new humanity and ultimately a new earth and a new heaven. And then, again, this thing of mountain-moving prayer. When Jesus, when Jesus you know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing, this whole, you know, oftentimes how we can take sort of scriptures and, and make them say something that they're not really saying. But Jesus standing on the temple mount would have been able to see the Dead Sea from, from that position. That those two things were so close, and what Jesus was saying when he was when he was he he was he was prophesying to the Mount Zion, and he was saying, "This this mountain's going to be thrown into the sea. This we don't need this anymore. This whole system's going to come to an end, and something new is going to come." And so the this is the action of Jesus announcing the ending of the old, and the setting up of a new mountain. You know, upon this rock, remember Peter saying, "Upon this rock, I'll build my church." The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. He's, he's talking about a whole new mountain. <clears throat> and again, it's, it's fascinating. I found this picture of this gorgeous woman <clears throat> um, standing on, if, you, if you've, I, I know some of us have, been, have had the great privilege of, of going to Jerusalem, but, but, but when the Romans sacked Jerusalem in 70 AD, they, they, they made sure that no stone would stand on another, just as Jesus prophesied. And there's just this huge rubble of ginormous... Uh, rocks from the temple and 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 what he was saying was this this thing it, it's it's got us this far but it's not going to get us further and so it has to come to an end and so this prayer for the te- for the for the kingdom to come is th- this whole thing where he says you know so say to this mountain um, you know have faith in God and say to this mountain be cast up and thrown into the sea I mean it's been used as a, as a rationale for for asking audacious things of God but it's not actually what that scripture is talking about it's actually saying that the Zion is going to be thrown into the Dead Sea and there's going to be a, and there's going to be a new rock there's going to be a, there's going to be a new mountain 
It's the mountain of Jesus. It's the, it's the rock of Jesus. We don't need anything else. We don't need any other system. It's, it's, it's amazing. And so this, this prayer, when, when, he, when he says to us, so pray this. Uh, so I tell you, if, uh, if you say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will happen, it will be done for you. So therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. What he's saying is he's, say, he's, he's saying, get in Get in step with what God's up to. You know, it's a, it's a prayer of saying, I want my life to align with what the Holy Spirit is doing in the world today. It's a prayer for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. It's a, it's a really beautiful thing. He, the prayer he's inviting us to pray is not some audacious prayer of, please God, give me a Ferrari. It's, it's please God, let the kingdom come. Let, let all things be put right. You know, even as you began right back there 2,000 years ago, let it continue to be put right. It's a, it's a really beautiful thing. Now, I had a brush with the hyper-faith movement as a, as a, as a young um, Christian. You know, and, and it, it was all around the scripture. You know, we, it was, it was um, you know, you had to confess what you wanted and you had to not, you know, not for a moment doubt. You had to be really careful about what you said. You know, it was the name it, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it kind of movement. You know, it was, it was just, you've got to be really careful what you're saying. Make sure you don't, make sure you're not, not for a moment, you know, you can't let any doubt be there. Oh my gosh, what a hard way to live it was. You know, it's like, I, I, I feel... No, I feel wonderful. I feel fine. I feel great. You know, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, it's a tough thing. So let's have a look at this thing. So the question is this: what What is it about the baptism of John that was so important? So the priests wanted to. They they asked Jesus, "What authority are you doing this? You know, what authority do you have to curse a fig tree to say this whole thing is going coming to an end? What authority do you have to stop the temple pr process?" And to say that no stone's going to be left on another, you know, I mean, I'm putting a few, a few gospel accounts here. But, but what if they were asking that question of who's given you this authority to say that this is coming to an end and there's a new thing coming. And Jesus' response to them was to ask them this simple question, was John the Baptist's baptism, was it from God or was it just a human reasoning? And, that, and it, seems like, it seems like a sort of a, a quizzical question, doesn't it? It's like fascinating that he'd ask them that question. And, 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 you know, we're very fortunate because we've got the New Testament, and like I say, we're on, we're on the other side of the cross. You know, but, but at that moment, they, they had no idea whether Jesus was just another young man, another young zealot, trying to cleanse the temple, trying to reform the system. Well, you know, who, who was this young person? That's, you know, he just wanders into the temple one day, and, and they had zealots all the time coming in and making all sorts of unusual claims. And so they're asking him, who's authority? You know, and, and we know at this point he's the anointed king, but he's not, the yet, he's not yet crowned as king, that he was anointed at John's baptism. And so the, and so the question that they're asking is, sorry, the question that, that Jesus is asking of the, of the priests is he's saying, now, I was anointed king at John's baptism. Was it from God? Or was it, or was it, just, a, was it just John having a, you know, getting carried away with himself? And they knew that people believed that John's baptism, the baptism for repentance of sin, cleansing of sin, was that they, people regarded John as a, as a wonderful prophet. In fact, in fact, Jesus goes on at one point and he says that, 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 he, was, that he was Elijah, that he was, uh, that he was the promised, you know, that he was the, he was the one who was going to declare, uh, you know, make straight 
the paths. Let the mountains be made low. Let the valleys be filled. That, that's, that's that John that they're talking about. And so the question of John the Baptist's baptism was a bind for the priests. If John's baptism was from God, then they needed to acknowledge that he was the anointed king, that he was the savior, that he was the Messiah, the one that was promised. Uh, and, there's, and there's also that awkward question of why didn't they in turn ask to be baptized by John to be cleansed from their sin? But if they say it was from man, then they'll have a riot on their hands. So, you know, I'll come back to that in a moment. But there's, but there's a few things here to ponder, I think. There's, there's a few questions that we can ask ourselves that maybe are, maybe are important today. Even though it's Mother's Day, um, I couldn't find a Mother's Day question in the Scriptures. <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> so, but here's some, here's, here's some thoughts around this thing of, of questions and answers. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Jesus used questions to expose people's hearts. And, and I was thinking, you know, when we, when we come, when we gather on a Sunday and we, you, know, we're, we're, you know, we're slowly kind of getting back into this thing of, of gathering together and, um, you know, being with one another in person, you know, we can be so intimidated by not knowing things. We, we can be intimidated by, by not understanding things. You know, we, we kind of read the scriptures and then someone preaches something and you go, I'd never saw that before. You know, I, I, I've been, I, I've been a, a, a vocational preacher for, for nearly 40 years and, and pretty much every Sunday here I learn something. I'm like, wow, I hadn't seen that before. That's, that's beautiful. You know, and and I wish I I wish I knew that. I'm I'm embarrassed that I don't know that. I should I should have known that. Um, you know, I've been around for a long time. I've had a, I've, I've had a lot of trips around the sun, and and I should know a bit more than I than I know. But but maybe we're sitting here this morning and thinking I'm not sure what I believe. I'm not sure what I know. You know, and there's so much of what we don't know that we can feel a, a lack of confidence when people ask us about about God and about life. But one of the great things that we can do is is follow in the steps of Jesus, follow his example, and and just simply ask questions. You know, like I said, you know, today is Mother's Day, and I think back to my own mum, who turned 92 last Sunday, uh, last week I should say, last Monday, and uh, who along with my dad, I think raised me by asking questions. I mean, they asked some bad questions, like, what will the neighbours think? Um, <laughs> that was never a winner question for me. Um, I was like, I don't care what the neighbours think. <laughs> um, but, they would, but they asked questions that helped me grow up. They were, they were you know, simple questions as I grew from a, from a child to a young man. You know, do you think that's going to help you? Do, do you, do you, um, you know, what do you want to be known as? What do you want to be known for? What kind of reputation do you want to build? How do you think your friend will feel? Um, you, you know, there's, there's a wonderful thing. And for those, those of you who are mothers in the room, you know, you have such an amazing ability to just draw out truth out of, out of your children by just simply asking questions. And never stop asking questions. Just, just continue to question them. It's a, it's a beautiful way to learn as, a, as the celebration of questions. You know, and so often when we look at the questions that Jesus asked, he just always, so often he answered them with another question. Because we learn, you know, why waste a good question with an answer? You know, questions are wonderful. They, they, they cause us to lean in. And again, like I say, this, this thing of, so, so there's this, this, question, this thing of questions and answers. And then there's this, this asking in, in prayer. You know, and like I say, it's not Jesus in this passage here trying to frustrate us for the next 2,000 years, trying to muster enough faith to move a mountain. What he's saying is he's saying, 
when you're authorized to say something, when you're authorized to announce that something is about to happen because God's invited us into partnering with him, then we can speak to the mountain and not doubt. And it seems that this thing is very much about this issue of authority. You know, the, the, the whole passage is about authority. You know, Jesus cursing the fig tree wasn't being annoyed that he couldn't eat a, a fig. He was, he was announcing. He was enacting an, an a parable. He was, he, was, he was saying that everything's going to change. And he wants us to ask and to believe in prayer. But it's not prayer just coming from faith that we try and muster. You know, I'm sure all of us in this room here, you know, we've been in those moments of, I, I believe, I believe, help my unbelief. You know, that, that please God, help me muster enough. You know, we, you know I, I'm sure every one of us sitting in the room right now has, has some prayer, some longing that we're asking of God and saying, please God, I don't feel like I've got enough faith for this. And, and please help me have more faith. But it's interesting, it's so much about prayer, it's about authority. So he's, he, does, he doesn't give us a scripture to kind of drive us crazy and kind of go, I know I've got not, I know I don't have enough. I, I, you know, I, re, I remember reading one of Adrian Plass's early books about trying to muster enough faith to move a paperclip across, across his desk, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, we've been there. Well, maybe you're, maybe you're not as silly as I am, but I'm, I, you know, I've, tried, I've tried to use that faith muscle. It, it's, I've, just, I've just figured it's broken. Uh, in me you know no matter how much faith I can try and muster it, it can't happen but if God says something's going to happen I can I can agree with him in prayer and I can say so let may the kingdom of God come may the will of God in fact every day I pray the Lord's prayer and that's what I pray may the kingdom of God come may the will of God be done in 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 my family may it be done in my church may it be done in Tamaki Makaurau you know, may it be done in Aotearoa. You know, the, the, may the kingdom of God come. May the will of God be done. You know, it's that kind of prayer that he's talking about here. Not, you know, not, not the, you know, I, I mean, it's good, to, it's good to ask God about all sorts of things. But he's talking about big stuff here. And again, with this thing of, of power, I can't, I, I've forgotten to be, uh, have I been clicking the clicker? I can't remember. I have. All right. Am I up to date? All right. This is good. <coughs> So let me talk about this thing of authority and power. Because um, <clears throat> I think he's asking us the same question today. You know, do we have, do we believe that John's baptism was from God? Or, or was it just, just you know, an, an incidental? Because I think it's an important question for us to, to answer. <clears throat> you know, John's described as the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And if, it was, if his baptism was from God, <clears throat> then what, Jesus, when, what John announced on that day when Jesus came to him to be baptized is true. And he was authorized to announce it, and it still stands. You know, and what John the Baptist said, some of the things that, that I can remember that he said was, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. That's, if we believe that his baptism is from God, then that's exactly what he's done and is doing and continues to do. He takes away the sin of the world, mine and yours. That Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and, and fire. And, and therefore we have, we have this beautiful invitation to continue his ministry in Tamaki Makoto in 2022. And, and he, gives us, he gives us delegated authority. Again, I think you know, one of the 
just one of the many missteps that, that I've taken on my journey of trying to follow Jesus. You know, the, the adventure of, of getting things wrong and doing things wrong. <coughs> is, is this thing of, of thinking somehow I've got to become someone amazing. I, I've got to become some kind of spiritual giant. And, and the reality is this. There's a very great difference between authority and power. You know, so for example... Um, when a police officer steps out and, and, and puts their hand out to signal that a, that a truck should pull to the side of the road, they're, they're, they're doing that not by power. They, they don't have the power to stand in front of a, I don't know how many tons of truck thundering down the road, but they, they are not Superman or Wonder Woman. They, they cannot stop a speeding truck by their power. All they have is they have delegated authority. They've, they've, they've been given the authority that they represent all the authority of the New Zealand government and the New Zealand ju judicial system. And, and, and what they're saying is, you need to pull to the side of the road <clears throat> because I've got the authority to stop you. Now, now why am I telling you that? <clears throat> that? Because I think most of us are deeply in touch with our powerlessness. I certainly am anyway. You know, I, I'm very aware of what a weak person I am. I'm very aware of, of how often I get things wrong. And, and, and I have no actual power to do, to do virtually a, a thing that I'd love to see uh, done. But what he has given us is he's given us this authority. It's, this, it's the same authority that, that he enacted on that day and continues to entrust to, to people like us. You know, which in my mind is, is, is incredibly risky by the creator of the universe, that he would entrust his authority to people like us. And so, and so the question that, that I'd love for us to kind of grapple with at the end, you know, as, as I kind of try and pull these threads together, is, is the, the issue is this thing of authority. The, the, the priest wanted to know, who, by whose authority can you do these things? And Jesus says, do you believe, do you believe uh, that John's baptism was from God or, for, or, or just of human origin? And for us today, you know, I, I know in our hearts, we lean in and we say, John's baptism was from God. It was, it was from heaven. You know? And everything that's flowed from that moment when Jesus was anointed as king until the moment that he's crowned as king when everything is wrapped up. You know, that, that, that we stand in this long line of people from that moment on, who would, who would inquire of God and say, what are you authorizing me to do? What, what do you want me to do in my workplace today? You know, what, do you want, what, what authority would you like me to use to form my family? What, what authority, what, what, are you, what are you authorizing me to do with even my own life? You know, th so that's the question, that, that, it's, that we're authorized to, to speak things and to do things. You know, we, we can ask God for all sorts of things, and, you know, and, and I think it's, it's a wonderful thing to ask God for all sorts of things in prayer. But we know there's moments when we're authorized to speak. We know there's moments when we're saying, this is what the Lord's doing. This is what's right, and this is what's wrong. This, this, is, where, this is what's happening at the moment. See, I, I, I remember the first time, um, <coughs> excuse me, Mother's Day is a really Mother's Day is actually a really important day in the in the history of our of our particular movement. Uh, you know the the um, 
at the very at the very early days of uh, of what became the Vineyard Church in uh, in your Belinda, it was uh, it was your Belinda friends. Uh, it was your Belinda Calvary Chapel, and and then Mother's Day in 1977, that invited this this hippie preacher to come and, and speak, and and he told his testimony, and and then he 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 prayed this prayer, Holy Spirit come. Which has become one of the one of the favourite prayers of the Vineyard, and, you know, and and of, of many other movements of, of you know Christian movements. <clears throat> but but I remember when I first I, I heard I heard about the Vineyard um, in the mid eighties, and then I finally uh, went to a conference here in Auckland with John Wimber, and one of the things that that really struck me at that conference, and and probably probably really got my attention and set me on a path that's, that's continued to this day, was I'd been to a lot of conferences. I, I'd, I'd been to a lot of large events. I, 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 I made my first commitment to Christ in a, in a, in a huge uh, meeting in uh, 19th, uh, Jesus 77 in Alexandra Raceway. And, you know, and, and I remember at those meetings just kind of, you know, all sorts of things were said and, 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 and all sorts of claims were made. And, you know, I, I remember sitting there and kind of going, I, I'm not sure if it's true or not. Uh, you know, it's kind of fun, but, but I'm not sure if it's true. And, and over the years, from that, from that moment of first deciding to follow Jesus, I, I'd watched people say things and things not happen. I'd watched people pray things and it didn't happen. Sometimes even the opposite happened. And, and then I remember being at this conference um, down... Uh, <coughs> down by the waterfront uh, and watching John Wimber do something that I, I hadn't actually seen anyone else do at that time. This, this is not to kind of, you know, engrandise uh, John or his memory. But, it, but what, it, what struck me in that moment was this is amazing. You know, he, he's, all he's doing is he's, is he's just announcing things. He's just saying, the Lord's healing someone over here. Um, and, that, and that person received healing. And he said, and, and something's happening over here. It was, it was like, he wasn't, it wasn't him making things. He was just, his whole approach was try hard. You know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't try hard. Try to, feel, try to feel well, you know. Try your hardest to feel well right now. Um, it was, the Lord's healing you. Is that right? Yes, and they would stand and say, oh my goodness, I, it has. I, I'm healed, the pain's gone. <coughs> Now, to me, that caught my attention because it's like, well, that's a different approach to prayer. That's a different approach to power ministry, isn't it? You know, it's, it's not just making bold claims. It's actually just simply saying, the Lord's saying this and announcing it. And, and, it, and it caught my attention, you know, and, and for me, you know, from that moment on, not to say that I haven't, I haven't made some ridiculous claims and made some, prayed some particularly stupid prayers over the years, but, but rather to say this, that I've come to realize that so much of this is just simply about authority. It's just simply asking, what am I authorized to do? We, we as Christians, well, maybe I should say, me as a Christian get sometimes very carried away with my importance, you know, and, and you know, and, and we and we say and do f silly things, don't we? Well, anyway, again, me, um, you know, I do and say silly things, and and I just think this this invitation that God has for us this morning is is this thing of just inquiring of God every day. Saying, what, what am I authorized to do? What have you authorized me to do today? What, what are you doing that I could slip my little hand into your big hand 
and partner with you on? What is it that, that, I, could be, that I could be involved in? And friends, I, it just changes everything. It, it just becomes this incredible adventure of following Jesus rather than, rather than trying to create our own, our own excitement. You know, and so the, the, job, the job of a Jesus follower, I, I think, is just simply to do that, to, to inquire of God, that what, what do you want done, Lord? What is it that you want done? And then partner with him. We're not people trying to get spiritual power. We're not trying to become something that we can never achieve. We're not trying to become the great men and women of God. We're just, we're just men and women who are in relationship with the great God of men and women. You know, that's, that's who we are. We're not trying to get spiritual power so we can wield it. We're just trying to figure out what am I authorized to do today? And what is, what is it? You know? and, and it's beautiful that Jesus calls us. He calls us his friends, and his friends are led into his secrets. I think that's the most beautiful invitation that he could give us today. Would you be my friend? You know, we, we know that we're his servants. We know that, he, that we're forever, you know, we're, we forever owe him everything. We, we're truly bond slaves of his. We've, we've chosen to give our lives to him for him to spend. And yet he even turns that around and he just says, but I'm going to call you friends, and I'm going to let you see. I'm going to... You're going to let you see behind the curtain. You know, and, the, and these things can look the same, but the process couldn't be more different. And so I guess our questions, our questions are this. What's he authorizing us to do as a church? You know, what's he authorizing you and I to do in our home and in, in, in our workplace? And let's just then get on with it. So I think, I think that'll do, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, hey, should we um